Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, could a lawsuit now going through the legal system remove funding for Mississippi charter schools? By the time we get to the end of this school year, well, nearly $6 million will have been pulled out of JPS in order to support unaccountable charter schools. You know, over the past 20 years, MAEP has been funded short 18 times. Then a financial blow to college students receiving state aid. And Attorney General Jim Hood says he's looking into a confession of false statements made by a witness who prompted the 1955 murder of Emmett Till. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A new lawsuit argues the use of public education dollars to fund charter schools violates the state's constitution. The Southern Poverty Law Center filed the lawsuit and insists they aren't against charter schools. The SPLC takes issue with the Department of Education's lack of oversight at charter schools regarding compliance and funding distribution. The state's charter school authorizing board oversees the schools. There are three charter schools in Jackson. SPLC attorney Will Bardwell says taking local and state funds from public schools further depletes their limited resources. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier all schools should be well supported and accountable. The point we were trying to make today is that every school child in Mississippi deserves the chance to attend a well-supported, accountable school. And right now, the Charter Schools Act deprives children of that opportunity. Uh, by the time we get to the end of this school year, uh, more than six, well, nearly $6 million will have been pulled out of JPS in order to support unaccountable charter schools. Uh, and you know, over the past 20 years, MAEP has been funded short 18 times. Uh, in that kind of an environment, every single dollar counts, and certainly $6 million would go a long way in helping JPS to, to meet its obligations to those students. JPS, Jackson Public Schools, said they didn't have an issue with it. They would follow uh, what they've been told to do. Well, legally, JPS cannot be subject to the court's final judgment unless it is a party to the case. So we need them to be a party to this case so that when the judge decides the case, JPS is obligated to follow it. Now, I, I understand JPS saying We'll do whatever the court says, we promise, uh, but we need a little more assurance than that. So how can you get them on board, or can you? Well, they're in the case. They're defendants in the case, and they filed a motion to dismiss. Uh, we've argued that that motion should be denied, uh, and we look forward to receiving the court's ruling on that. Um, one of the issues that came up was the free argument, and uh, you said that charter schools aren't free. Since 1879, 
Mississippi law has required that schools that are part of the system of free schools required by the Constitution must come under the oversight of both the state superintendent and a local district superintendent. And the Charter Schools Act, by design, creates schools outside that system, schools that are overseen by neither a local district nor the state superintendent. So for Section 208 purposes, uh, that's clearly unconstitutional. Did you get a sense of uh, the judge, in terms of this case, how he might rule? It is clear he has given this an awful lot of thought. Uh, I wouldn't do the disrespect to him of, uh, of guessing what's going on in his mind right now, but I think it's clear to everybody after today that we're going to get a very thoughtful ruling. He did mention public education should be funded and um, charter schools are for a select few. How did that make you feel or come across to you? Well, we believe since the beginning of this case that every child in Mississippi deserves a chance to go to a well-funded, uh, accountable public school. Uh, the charter schools existing in Mississippi right now are neither. Uh, they're accountable to no one, uh, and the results are, are showing themselves. Uh, in their first years of operation, those two charter schools were rated D and F. You know, these are not the, the silver bullet that they have been presented as. Well, who rated them if, if they don't have any oversight? Well, they're still part of the Department of Education's annual rating system, but the Charter Schools Act explicitly provides that charter schools are immune from all rules, regulations, and policies of the State Department of Education, the State Board of Education, and all local school boards. If the judge rules in your favor, what does that mean for the future of charter schools? That's up to the legislature. My clients are parents, not policymakers. It's not their job to write legislation that complies with the Constitution. That's the legislature's job. So they'll have to find another funding source or a way to fund them if they want them to survive. Right. And that's exactly what happens any time any statute is declared unconstitutional. The legislature just has to go back to the drawing board and find a way of doing it that doesn't violate the Constitution. And that's all we're asking for in this case. Thank you so much. We appreciate you speaking with us. Thank you for talking to me. Will Bardwell is a senior staff attorney at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Christy Hendricks is executive director of Midtown Partners. She tells our Desiree Frazier the money follows the child. The money actually belongs to the taxpayers and to the families and to the students that we're serving. So it's not that we're taking money from the public school systems. It's not the public school system's money, it's the taxpayers' money and the students that we're serving. So while we understand the, the concern, we all have a concern about the level of funding, um, we believe that we are serving the, the parents and the students the best that we can. At this point, there's, there's nothing troubling about us. We're just waiting to see what happens. And of course, you know, our job is to educate children. So while we've hired attorneys, we're busy educating children and ensuring that they're receiving receiving all the education that they need to ultimately be successful. So, you know, we've, we've hired the attorneys to argue the legal argument, and we're doing our job, and that's educating children. Christy Hendricks with Midtown Public Charter School. Supporters fear if funding is ruled unconstitutional, they will close. Rachel Cantor with Mississippi First tells MPB's Desiree Frazier there are ways for the Department of Education to have input at charter schools. 
the position of Mississippi First is that we need to do everything and anything that we can to improve public education for all children. Charter schools is one way to do that. There are many other things that Mississippi First believes we need to do. For example, we support publicly funded pre-kindergarten, and we also wrote and passed that law in the same year that we passed the charter school law. Yes, charter schools have a limited number of seats, and if there are more charter schools open, more children can be served. But not all people are going to choose to send their children to charter schools. There are some JPS parents who are happy with where their children are, and we would never want those parents to no longer have those opportunities. We just want every parent that wants a different opportunity for their child to have an excellent public education choice to be able to make. Do you find it um, unusual that Jackson Public Schools would not take exception to that and wouldn't mind uh, sending money to charter schools and doesn't have an issue with it? You know, I can't really speak for Jackson Public Schools, but I do think in terms of the Charter Schools Association and the charter schools in Mississippi, they want what is best for the children that they're serving, but they also want all children to have great options. And I think that the parents who have intervened as parent interveners in this lawsuit would say the same thing. And so the Charter Association has oversight over the schools, not the school department. The state charter school authorizer board authorizes charter schools and then can oversee and close them. There are certain ways in which the State Department of Education still oversees charter schools. So special education, for example, charter schools still have to take the same state tests. They still have to be graded by the same state accountability system, all of which is Uh, maintained by the State Board of Education and the State Department of Education. So while the State Board and the State Department do not have a blanket oversight over charter schools, there are ways in which they still have oversight over charter schools. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Rachel Cantor is executive director of Mississippi First. Lawyers defending charter schools say funding should follow the student. Michael Bentley, law firm of Bradley Arendt, attorney for Midtown Public Charter School, tells our Desiree Frazier what happens next. Today was about presenting legal arguments. It's common that, particularly in a case like this, that the court will want to hear oral argument from the lawyers ask any questions that it may have, which Judge Thomas did today, and then take all that into account in addition to the briefs and motions when he makes a final ruling on the summary judgment motions. What were the key arguments in your estimation? I think the key arguments, as Judge Thomas summarized it at the end, are one, whether the plaintiffs in this case have standing, uh, have they demonstrated an actual injury from the operation of public charter schools within Jackson Public Schools. We don't think that they have, and therefore we don't think that this is the right case for the court to decide the constitutionality of the Charter School Act. But the second big issue, as the judge discussed, was whether the Constitution permits uh, local tax dollars and state tax dollars to follow the student to public charter schools operating within a municipal school district. And those are the significant issues. The case has been fully briefed, and the parties all agree that there are no facts in dispute. So at this point, the case is submitted to the judge, Judge Thomas, and he will make a decision based on the briefs and the exhibits that have been submitted to him. Hines County Chancery Court Judge Dwayne Thomas is hearing the case. Coming up, financial aid dollars for Mississippi students face cuts that could affect thousands of students each year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. As China's global power grows, how will the U.S. cope with maybe not being number one? You're not going to be able to go back to the era 
in which America dominated both the global economy and dominated the global political scene. But that needn't be a disaster. Our look at the rise of the East, next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MVB Think Radio. We are more than halfway to receiving the 300 applications needed to get an MPB car tag. MPB needs less than 130 more people to sign up. We know you can help make this happen. All it takes is a one-year commitment of $31. This is another way you can help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Sign up at mpbonline.org slash cartag. If you have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Some Mississippi college students are searching for new ways to pay for school. Legislative changes to Mississippi financial aid are leaving some without enough money. The Office of Financial Aid was hit with a nearly 3% budget cut. Now students will only be allowed to receive one state-funded grant. Lauren Lawhead is a sophomore at the University of Mississippi. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware the changes are frustrating. These changes, they're very frustrating, first of all, because a lot of these things happen behind closed doors. And, you know, I know personally, like, I, this, the email that I got from the financial aid office at my school was, like, the first thing I had ever heard about it. You know, there was nothing that I'd seen in the news about what the legislation was doing. Um, so it really was just an absolute shock to me and as well as, you know, everyone else who received that email. And it's really frustrating because the bigger scholarships, so how it works is you you get to keep whichever scholarship is the biggest or scholarship or grant is the biggest. And the biggest grants that the state offers are for students who demonstrate exceptional financial need. And so the smaller ones like MTAG and MESG are primarily merit-based, meaning that you had to work to get a certain ACT score to get them, for example. So basically, because some students' parents' taxes read a certain way, all of their academic achievements that they've achieved up to this point are more or less being thrown out the window, saying, we don't really care about that. Here, take your money for what you need. And I'm only losing the $1,000, but there are several students who are losing both MTAC and MESG. And so, you know, $3,500 worth of funding is a very significant amount when you're talking college scholarships and so it's just really frustrating for those students who have worked so hard in their academic careers and are now you know 
being told that it doesn't matter at all. So what will you have to do now to cover that loss? Um, I'm lucky enough to have a job at my school that I will have until I graduate. So I'm just going to have to keep working and hope I can find some other outside scholarships, maybe if I'm lucky enough. Financial aid director Jennifer Rogers tells our Alexis Ware other alternatives would have affected up to 26,000 students. We supported the changes that they ultimately put in place because they impacted the fewest number of students um, and also impacted the fewest number of um, perhaps vulnerable students, um, students who, who might drop out without the assistance that comes their way via state aid. We approached the legislature with a number of different um, fiscal analyses on various changes. You know, we looked at what would be the cost savings for raising the GPA for all undergraduate programs? What would be the cost savings for raising the ACT score for eligibility? Uh, What about um, eliminating programs, combining programs? I mean, you know, we've looked at so many different scenarios and... um, options and have provided all of that data to the legislature. Jennifer Rogers with the Mississippi Office of Financial Aid with MPB's Alexis Ware. With the changes, officials say about 3,400 students will be impacted and the state will save about $3.5 million. Just ahead, Mississippi Attorney General Jim Hood confirms his office's investigation in connection to one of the tipping points of the civil rights movement, the murder of Emmett Till. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. are more than halfway to receiving the 300 applications needed to get an MPB car tag. MPB needs less than 130 more people to sign up. We know you can help make this happen. All it takes is a one-year commitment of $31. This is another way you can help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Sign up at mpbonline.org slash car tag. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue. If you have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Mississippi Attorney General Jim Hood says his office is investigating a recently released confession regarding the Emmett Till murder case. Carolyn Bryant originally said she was sexually assaulted by Till, but has since revealed that didn't happen. Till was lynched in LaFleur County 60 years ago. Hood tells MPB's Mark Rigsby his office has conducted interviews on the matter. Wanted to get your assessment of the Emmett Till confession. There was a request by the family and other lawmakers to your office to to kind of look into this. The family met with the Attorney General Jeff Sessions last week. Just want to get your thoughts at this time. Yeah, you know, I've been working with the FBI on this. And, uh, you know, what you often read in the paper, uh, when, when law enforcement officers start asking questions, people tend to back up from what they've said. And, uh, you know, so we're going to do everything we possibly can. If there's a case to be made out there on this murder or other murders or any other old cases like that, then we're going to pursue it. And that's what we're doing at this point. And publicly, I can't say anymore. So you're saying that law enforcement has asked the, the alleged victim in this case about what she had said, and now she's kind of backtracking? Well, we've conducted interviews, I can say that. And, um, you know, if, if there's evidence of a crime, if, if, if we have a witness, Uh, that comes forward, then we're going to pursue it. At this time, you know, we hadn't gotten that. So you're definitely looking into it now? Yeah. Arika Gordon-Taylor is a relative of Emmett Till. She tells our Mark Rigsby she wants to see justice for the family members, including Till's mother, Mamie. If you had a message for her directly, what would you tell her? I would say it's been long enough. She needs to just... She's already made a statement. She might as well come on out because I feel like she's hiding. Come out of hiding and just let's get a resolve. You know, especially if nothing's going to happen to her for our family alone. Give my family some peace. At least write down or come out and tell the whole story to at least those that went through it. She doesn't have to tell it to the world if she doesn't want to. But the family has questions. And I'm I'm not talking about the generational family. I'm not talking about me or my cousins. I'm talking about those who live through it. They have questions. You know, I think it's time. time. She's She's had a fruitful life. She's got grandkids. She's been married twice. You know, she's... And look at Mamie's, you know, life. And what she deprived her of from lying. She, she ought to be... She should not have it. If I was her, I don't see how she's living in peace. I don't see how she can have mental and emotional peace. I just don't know. I don't see how she has it. Do you think ultimately there will be justice? I'm optimistic that there will be. And justice comes in many forms. What form would you like it to come in? Oh, I would like for her to go to jail. I would like for it to be judicial justice. Is the family also seeking an apology from her? I don't think... I don't think so. I don't... I don't think an apology at this point matters, but that's me speaking. It might matter to Wheeler, 
it might matter to, to Simeon. I, I'm not for sure. I kind of don't think it would matter to a certain degree to one, but it may matter to the other. So. Till relative Erica Gordon-Taylor with MPB's Mark Rigsby. Hood says no additional witnesses have come forward regarding the 60-year-old incident. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10 o'clock, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum Mississippi, offering free admission and a pass to a world of performances, lectures, and events for members. Information on planning a visit or becoming a member at grammymuseummss.org.